podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. It is the Anfield Wrap. The Anfield Wrap is in Boston. The Anfield Wrap is in Boston tonight. We are recording this as we approach midnight on Sunday after Liverpool have played against Sevilla and lost by two goals to one. We've got a long show coming for you with different parts, different things going on. Loads going on. We're in a busy, busy, busy bar. But we want to make it work for you right now. We want you to enjoy the Boston experience with us. I've got Chris Pajak. I've got John Gibbons. I've got Craig Cannon. I've got Mel Reddy. Very soon I'll have Jurgen Klopp. That's everything that is to come. Is Jurgen coming? Jurgen is sat. He'd love to come here, I reckon, Jurgen. He would have an absolute ball here. I'm just saying, I'm not sure we've got, why we've got Pajak if Jurgen's coming. Like. Charge that, Chris. For fuck's sake, man. <laughs> Jürgen can come here and have all the beers he didn't get a chance to have on the parade. Hey, all the, exactly, he didn't only have two beers in the parade, Jürgen said, that is to come, we've got a oh, liar. <laughs> we had a ball with Jürgen earlier today, we've had a big 24, 36 hours, we've actually absolutely enjoyed Boston, it's been fantastic, we're going to talk a lot about Boston, and one of the things, Mel, when you're in Boston, is you are reminded of the similarities between Boston as a city and Liverpool. There's loads and loads of similarities. And when you think about the ownership question, that does sort of raise its head a little bit. Yeah, uh, one of the, the things that stood out, I think, at the game today was, you know, seeing the, the two trophies, the absolute beacons of both sport next to each other and then I booked in the queue and got a picture you know? yeah I saw the picture <laughs> I, I was very jealous of that picture absolutely bumped that queue like. <laughs> you were a fucking prick weren't you media passes all over the shop <laughs> but the, the thing that stood out to me the first thing when I saw the picture is oh wow I hate John Gibbons for getting this picture <laughs> but the second thing was how they rebuilt both clubs from dire straits to very cleverly, very patiently, um, like looking for the edges to sort of get an advantage and actually pulling it off. And we're not talking about small gains. If you think about the strides Liverpool have made, particularly under Jurgen Klopp, because I think they had everything and what they didn't have was the man to tie it all together. And when they got him in 2015, it was their third time trying to get him. So it's not like they didn't know who they wanted. It's that who they wanted wasn't available. Uh, And as you say, when you're in Boston, you cannot escape the fact that Liverpool have very, very clever people in charge who take the right steps to win the ultimate prizes. Now, can I ask you actually, because um, it's probably to be had recently that at the time there was a story that ever she went short about Jürgen. Was that a kind of a, them doing a bit of a sidestep or like throwing people off the, off the trail or, or did someone genuinely warn them off Jürgen? Because the story I've heard is that he was, someone did and then when they met him they were like, what are they on about? He's, he's absolute mustard. I think the fear was that the persona of Jürgen We all knew Klopp, the Borussia Dortmund manager, as this larger-than-life figure, very eccentric. And I think there was concerns of, is that it? Is that as good as it gets? Is this just a really good motivator? Is he, because he's such a larger-than-life personality, will he want full 
control of everything? Would he be able to work in, you know, as part of a setup, as part of a whole? Uh, and also, does he actually want to come? So I think all these things raise natural doubts. With Ancelotti, he'd met with Liverpool, and you, with him, it was everybody knows what Carlo's mo is. You give him funds to buy who he wants to buy, and he wins things. He's very experienced at doing that. Whereas Jurgen was a more uh, like a risk figure, really, because you you can't actually think, or it's not always possible to replicate what you've done at one club in another, especially if that club is in the Premier League. So I think that it wasn't like a blag that they weren't co co totally convinced, but I think it was more apprehension on their side of, we've tried for this man so many times, is he actually really totally the one that's going to make it all happen? And he is. So, so basically it's like me going for a girl. There's only about like two times I'll go for it and then they'll be like no and I'll be like oh I can't be into that like I'm not I'm not getting rejected a third time. Is that what we're saying here? It could well have been one like. Chris, when you're thinking about the cities, when you're thinking about the cities the way they the way they operate, Boston is a rebel city and it's quite an odd city in American terms. I know you love America, you spent a lot of time, you've looked at lots of different places. And one of the things whenever I come up being this is the second time I've been here, and when you spend time you really clock, the, the, there are similarities, there really are, you can't gloss over them. It's a city you can walk across, it's a city that's connected to a body of water, it's a city that's full of unorthodoxies, it defines itself to an extent against New York, which is there as a thing. You know, it is an underdog city, but it's an underdog city, Boston, that fucking loves itself. And I'm banging into that because that's a Liverpool thing. That, 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 that's fucking what we're all about, isn't it? We're a poor, we're a poor city. We're an outward-facing city. It's why we don't like the fucking people behind us. We've had so many good people come into Liverpool from the fucking outside that we love it. That's what we're all about. You know, we don't care about what's going on behind us. Who cares about what's going on behind you? Yeah. Liverpool is about what's going on in front of you. And we've seen so many people over the years come in from all these different cultures and all these different places, and we've accepted them. And that's what Boston is like. It's exactly the same in that regard. That's what you want in a city, isn't it? You, you want to be able to be accepted when you go somewhere. Liverpool's like that. Boston's like that. You can see that. The ownership's exactly the same. It's truly, it's, it's, it's unbelievable to be a part of something like that. And we're lucky that we're from Liverpool. Truly lucky. And we should, we're, we're lucky we've got a great football side. And Boston's an unbelievable city. Just walking around it, it's chilled, it's socialist, it's left wing, which I like. And it feels like a twin city. It's Craig, as someone who's come to Liverpool from the outside, you can see those similarities. And I'm bang into this sort of question around, you know, whether or not this is an accident from FSG, whether or not it's a fortunate accident, or whether or not one of the things they were looking for, and because they don't talk very much or very often, you may never get to find it out properly. And that's a little bit of a shame, I think, at times, when you get to see this little bits of stuff and you want to link it up, you'd love to know when they were thinking about Liverpool. Were they thinking about Liverpool because it felt like Boston, because it felt like the Red Sox, because it felt like there's some rights we've got a wrong gear, there's work to be done, and because it felt like, well, it felt a bit like home. 
Yeah, I'd like to think so. I think there's there's parallels that they probably didn't take into account. It's a it's a brilliant night out, first and foremost, which is which is exactly the same as Liverpool. There's a shit ton of Irish there as well, which is exactly like Liverpool. It's kind of a night out where it leaves you asleep on your front step. Yeah, I, I uh, it, this isn't a very free show of story, is it really? But to it, I basically uh, I don't have a phone because um, R.I.P. I lost it. It's 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 gone. It's with the angles. Is <laughs> shock horror. Craig had. <laughs> And lost something. I know, I know, I know. But um, so I lost my phone. Uh, so it meant that last night in Boston, um, I didn't know the address to Airbnb. I wasn't with anyone. Um, I was on my own. So in the end, long story cut short, I I managed to get my way home about an hour and a half later. And I thought to myself, everyone's going to be in bed. You know, like they'll have all get in safely. And uh, the taxi man was like... Sorry, you, you've met John Gibbons and you thought everyone was going to be in bed. Well, yes. I, I, I just thought at that time, it was very, very early in the morning. And uh, the taxi man was like, which one was it? And I was like, it's just the one where the lad sprawled across the steps in his red shorts there. And it was Neil trying... <laughs> it was Neil trying to sort a key and John hadn't been in yet. So, um, so yeah, it, it was. it's one of them. So that's how good a night out Boston is. What a belter. I think in terms of like actual footy chat and, and parallel, <laughs> um, just being in the stadium, there's so many parallels. I think like you're in Fe- you're in um, Fenway and it's like it's proper historic and there's an aura around it and it it feels like this stadium where there's there's been so much history made and uh, you see it on the walls. I know nothing about baseball, but I see all of these. Um, you know, even on the on the uh, the TV the TVs they have like the footage of of these World Series wins and you see the gap between the one when that was way before FST and, and the one that's um, you know that they they whenever they come in they manage to deliver on and um, you know hopefully that's a parallel that we'll see in the future but the, the stadium itself is just it has that feeling of Anfield it has that thing where you know if you're a I'd, I'd imagine if you're an opposition baseball fan you come into the stadium you're like we're in Fenway what you know and that was the same for us getting to watch the sporting event in Fenway just felt felt like there was something it was like a moment for us and it's exactly the same with Anfield that's another parallel John you know they renovated Fenway and they've tried to renovate Anfield they've done the main stand and that's something that stood out to me today being in Fenway because there's you hear lots of chat about it you say, people say it's like this it's like that but getting to live it I love it's exo, exoskeleton I love the fact that so much of it exists outside the stadium and I love the fact that the whole thing about it it does feel historic but not nostalgic not about not, not saying yesterday was better it's saying we're going to make tomorrow boss because this is who we are and I really I really enjoy being in there today to be honest with you yeah being around the whole area the fact that there's a bar I think it's bleachers where you can see the pitch from the bar is absolutely unreal like I don't know what they were up to on match day like I was in this reels or something but there was me and Chris had a had a way and you can look it out and we were watching Liverpool train. That was a weird wee. I, I had one of those. Or was it me and, and you? Like, uh, I, I know I, I weed by myself, John. But I was thinking that was the best wee I've ever had. <laughs> I and weed. I didn't want it to end, to be honest with you. I weed. Watching Liverpool train. No, I weed, and I was like looking out across the bar, and people are just like looking at me, and I'm locking eyes with them weeing, and it was a very strange experience. But you can't see the pitch from it. Imagine Kev Walsh. 
Kevin Walsh would never fucking step foot in Anfield. He'd just be in bleachers. Yeah, 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 yeah. He would, but... The thing is, like, it's the only place I've ever been... It's the only men's toilet I've ever been in where taking your phone out is acceptable and taking photos is acceptable. <laughs> that's, a, that's a strange place, isn't it? You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I did take a picture. And not just of Chris. <laughs> How was the perspective? What did you, what'd you get me on? Was it good? Did it look good? No, I think you've had a tough couple of days, mate. But, uh, <laughs> but no, it's been sad. It's, it's, it's a shame that Liverpool haven't won. It's two games, obviously, they've lost over here in America. I just throw something bad about it. said, this, this worst country is to have a bad record down in the United States. Because we rarely play important games here. But they've lost the two, and that is a little bit of a shame. But I think... Yeah, going to be more asked about some of the tackles that he will be about the results. I think everything that you sense from the players, the manager, the coaching staff is that this preseason is going pretty well. They'll have the week in France where they locked down and Jürgen beast them. And then, will you see Charity Shield? We'll see the Charity Shield, Mel. There was, in the game against Sevilla, there... There was some stuff that there was just no need for. I mean, I'm very rarely one to take that much of a moral position around a football match. A football match is a football match. But it's not in Liverpool's interests that Benega gets sent off. Liverpool want to play 11 versus 11. So I'm not blaming the referee. It's hard to be the referee in that context. But Benega probably should get sent off. And then things might not go the way they go. And when eventually they go the way they go, you end up in this position where... Liverpool want to work out, they want a professional workout in unbelievably hot conditions and Sevilla effectively just wanted to kick and elbow people and that, that that's a bit mad I'd say. In pre-season managers want two overriding things, fitness and no injuries. It's like the absolute law of pre-season and about seven minutes in you were already thinking this is, this is a bit this a bit moody. Nasty. It was yeah, moody. Nine. And um, Benega gets a yellow on 12 minutes off a pre-season friendly, which was very deserved. And before half-time in the press box, everyone was talking about ascending off. It, the game had that feel. Uh, you, you had Harry Wilson from the Benega tackle. You had uh, Oxlade Chamberlain getting clattered as well in a really, really bad challenge. Uh, and by the time the La Roche foul happened, the game was building up to that point. I don't think, I understand it's pre-season, so the referee didn't want to overreact. But, but the problem was he had no control of the game, which was absolutely too robust from Sevilla for the circumstances and Jurgen Klopp actually went over to their coaching staff at half time to say to them hang on this is this is pre-season like we're all here to get fitness no one wants any we're all grown up saying I think he was almost yeah. trying to say yeah and so you thought once we'd seen that because you could you could see the conversation from the press box once we'd seen that we thought okay the second half won't be as bad and I am still astounded by what I saw that wasn't a tackle that wasn't a challenge that was an atrocious premeditated kick a hack all the words that you don't want associated in football 
to an 18-year-old and a kid who has had such an impressive preseason that I th he was making a case for himself to be Andy Robertson's deputy. And from the night he had against uh, Jaden Sancho, to I thought this was his most complete performance, both in an attacking and a defensive sense so far. So for it to end like that, getting stretched off was quite disappointing. I've got a couple of theories on this. Number one, he's a fucking Barcelona fan, right? End of. That's it. He's a Barcelona fan. Or number two, Liverpool are going to have this all season. We're European champions. Doesn't matter whether it's a pre-season friendly or what. There's a target on your back. That's what we're going to have to come up against. So for me, actually, it's, it's, a, it's a good thing. If this is what we're going to see all season, at least we know it now. You know what I mean? We can learn from this now. We can expect it. We can do better. We can make sure that we try and put ourselves out of that situation. And we can improve and we can go and batter everyone. But it was, Chris. It was such a World Cup 1970 or Buckley Hill hack on the lads. You know what I mean? Like, it was almost surreal to watch because you just don't see it anymore in footy. It's so rare to see someone just go, yeah, do you know what? Fucking cop for this. I've never, I, I don't think I've ever seen anything like that. Like, just... One in a friendly, it was alt. I, I actually had to watch it about six times to actually believe that it happened. So, in my seven aside game on a Wednesday, that happens all the time, and it's mostly me or someone else because we're fat and we're slow and we just kick out and we lash out. Yeah. You know, you don't expect to see it from professional players, do you? That's the, that's the thing. From Man and John's perspective, we blagged our way into corporate at the time. We had a lovely second half, <laughs> Best seats in the house, man. Best seats in the house. Stand for the bomb now we're here. But it's still horrible to see. You know, Bell's right. You, you, you don't see that. You shouldn't see that. It's pre-season. Come on, everyone's about to get in fitness. It's, it's ridiculous. But I genuinely believe that this is what we're going to come up against all season. So, in some ways, I think it's a good thing that we've got it out the way now because we can expect it and we can find a way to better it. There's something, Mel, in, in the idea of what Chris is saying there, first and foremost. Every game this season Liverpool play, I think this is always the case anyway to an extent, but every game Liverpool play this season, it is the biggest game of the season for the opposition. Liverpool and Man City, that's what you're going to deal with. Not to say that people are going to necessarily get absolutely walloped every game but opponents are going to come into it I'd like to think certainly for the first 10-15 games with a level of intensity to want to make a point to want to say well, no 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 we're not going to give any ground to these this is an extreme example in a pre-season setting but that is what Liverpool are going to face yeah you want to have the measure of the European champions every team will sort of carry that with them and I think how Sevilla celebrated their winner today. I was fucking mad. The fuck? It's a friendly lad. I honestly want... To me, that was almost as bad as the hack. I really wanted to get on the pitch and go, lad, it's meaningless. I thought that after the hack, to then celebrate like I was... I genuinely... I, 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 I could not believe what I was seeing in that game. First, that kick. And the celebrations in the context after that kick... And Sevilla were protesting the red card for a very, very long time and moaning that Liverpool didn't kick the ball out uh, when their player was down. When That's not Liverpool's job. The referee has to stop 
play. So they've protested against that. It's not a challenge, against that assault that we saw. Then they've gone and celebrated like it was the Champions League final. Genuinely. Honestly, it was like the you know what? Divock Origi has scored goals against Barcelona in the Champions League semi-final, one of the most historic European comebacks of all time. And in the final, and Divock Origi doesn't celebrate like that. Yeah, he doesn't celebrate like that because he doesn't know how to celebrate. I'm convinced of this. I really want to ask him in the mix zone. Right, lad, come on. Can me and you work on something here? Because I'm sick of you just lifting the ball. I would prefer Divokarigi not celebrating than you teaching him choreography, thanks. Shake <laughs> Craig's hand into a big old shit house then, you know? Oh, yeah, grass. Absolute grass. Not as easy as it looks, is it, Chris? Big zone. I, I fucking hate the big zone. It's the worst thing ever. Basically, Jürgen Klopp just laughs at me, and that's the end of it for me. You want to have eight pints before it really livens it up. <laughs> I said, I said to Gibbo, I'm gonna go, I'm gonna do mix on tomorrow, and he looked at me and he went, did this like face. He went, I mean, you're good at other things, aren't you? And I was at Europe. You're an absolute prick. I'm gonna show him. He's right and though. You are good at things. <laughs> oh no, that that bit's right, Neil. But I'm gonna make sure one of those things is the mix on. I can't flirt like him. It's. It's honestly dead funny that they let us do this. It and is. what we do is we get drunk and we do it three times. And then we don't get to do it for 12 months. Yeah. Because we get drunk and do it three times. Basically, yeah, you have like, you have five pints you, and you're like, I'm going to ask, I'm going to ask, uh, I'm going to ask whatever question I want. I'll do the mix zone. Fuck it. Uh, there's the serious journalists are all at the end. It's not as easy as it looks, Craig. Oh, yeah, yeah. Josh I know Josh makes well. it look easy, doesn't he? Josh is doing well. Yeah, Josh is smashing it, but you know what I mean? He's an absolute legend. He. You guys, you guys Do have... Do the senior players or... Yeah, Josh is mainly young lads, like... Why is that? Is you're correct on their level. Talk about rappers and stuff. <laughs> Mel. You guys have the benefit of being... Like, players see you guys as quite fun and casual. They know that if they come to us, it's going to be like, what's happening with your contract? The, like, all the things they want to avoid. So, so it's like a symbiosis. No, I just ask, we're, we're really good for you guys because they don't want to speak to us. So they're like, oh, I'm just asking Chamberlain about my own DJing. I know. <laughs> you, but also, Gibbo's got, how can you say no yeah. to Gibbo? Like, exactly. when Gibbo asks you something, how can you say no? This is essentially my downfall as a human being. <laughs> His <laughs> Gibbo asks me things and I can't say no to him. So I say yes. We're going to take a little break. What we'll do is... We'll I never told Craig to lose his phone. What we're going to do is we're going to actually pop in now a mix zone clip. So we're going to... It'll be one of Virgil van Dijk, Andy Robertson or Jordan Henderson. It's going to come in now. We're going to take a little break. You're going to hear that. And then we're going to come back, have a bit more of a chat. And then you're going to get some Jürgen Klopp. See you in a minute. Virg, some lively tackles tonight. It was, it was a bit feisty for a friendly. Yeah, you know, what can you do? You know, you don't have too much influence on that, so yeah, you have to get on with it. In terms of yourself, though, how pleased are you in terms of where you're at, in terms of your fitness, in terms of your sharpness? Are you where you want to be at this stage of preseason? Yeah, it's only my, obviously, my second 45 minutes. Um, so I'm not, obviously not where I want to be yet, but there's still some time. And I just, uh, I just want to get, get fit do everything I can, work hard and make sure we're ready for the season. I don't know if you're an American sports fan, but it was it's cool in there, Fenway, isn't it? It's, I mean, I enjoy watching it. Do you enjoy playing there, iconic stadium? Yeah, no, it's special. You know, uh, 
also because obviously uh, our owners are obviously also uh, their owners and it's, it's just a special place to be in. Um, yeah, it was great. You a baseball fan or uh, more of an NBA fan than okay. baseball? So uh, <laughs> no, but it's great, great to be in. Obviously, I know how special a stadium this is, and uh, obviously, it was already great to be in. Just finally on, on to New York now. The, the fans out here are incredible, aren't they? In terms of you know how much they love it. We did uh, House of Blues last night. They were bouncing up and down to your song and stuff like that, and the the knowledge, the passion. They they love it out here just as much as we do in Liverpool, which is crazy. Yeah, no, yeah, we fans all over the world, and that's obviously been known to everyone. And uh, it's just great that we have the support like that. And hopefully, we just keep 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 it going. And uh, obviously, right now, everyone wants to get fit. Obviously, we want to win the games, but you know, it's all about getting fit, and that's what we try to do. Tom, yeah, love you. We are back. Hope you enjoyed that little bit of a clip. One of the things I want to ask you, Chris, is how you feel about Brewster. Seeing him in the flesh on these tours and in these pre-season games, it's, for me, there's an astonishing aura about him, which you very rarely see with a young player. He acts and feels like he's... He literally looks like he's played 100 games for Liverpool, and yet he hasn't played one competitive game for Liverpool yet at the highest level. Mate, it, it's mad because we've heard so much about him, we know he's been injured for so long, and you're thinking to yourself, what is the hype about? Like, and yet you see him and... Does he link up play well? I'm not sure. Does he know where the back of the net is? He fucking knows where the back of the net is. And you're like, there must be a reason, because like, I could ask everyone around the table here, do Liverpool need a fourth player for those front three? And probably everyone would say, yeah, but there's a reason Liverpool aren't signing a fourth player for that front three. So my, my only thought is, the lad's gonna fucking be better than everyone. Fucking Babe and Bappe 2020. It's, it's Brewster 2019, mate. Neil just looked at you like he wanted to punch you. <laughs> I don't give a shit, to be fair. Like, I know it's his show, I know it's... And they're off great. <laughs> you feel your boots, Chris, disruptor here. But, but seriously, Brewster 2019, fucking Bappe 2020. This lad, Jürgen knows, and, and that's, the, that's the key difference for me, is why spend 40 million on our backup now when you've got a player who, in a year's time, is going to be that man? So you're wasting your money for me. And I'm looking at it going, Brewster knows where the back of the net is. He's got an astonishing first touch. He holds the ball up so much better than a lad that he's his size. He's Mel's size. And yet he holds the ball up like fucking Andy Carroll. You know what I mean? It's I th- unbelievable. I, th- I, think, I think just from watching him over pre-season, like, there's so much more to him than what... So many more layers to Brewster than what I thought there originally was. And I think like he, does, like, he knows where the net is. Like, fucking hell, I was stood behind the goal. Me and Josh blagged, pretending we were photographers, and we were right behind the goal for his penalty. That's a lot of what, 18? Is he 18, 19? It's just 19. And I know it's a pre-season, but he, he, you know, he, he walks up and with the chest puffed out and just goes, <sighs> breeze, bangs it top, top ends, best penalty you've ever seen. I think, like, I just think watching him, just his movement and the way he carries himself and the way he links up play and there's just an intelligence about it and there's a there's it's not 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 just his finishing's natural instinct but i think his movement's natural instinct and that's like it's the thing that interests me about brewster is how he drops deep you know i i he'll feed off other players um and and just 
he's a lot more complete than what I thought we were going to get with him. And I'm starting to sort of see why Jurgen Klopp's maybe not thinking about a fourth choice. And I know that's not what a lot of people want to want to hear. Um, but I just think, like, just watching him as a striker, he's this like he's an out and out striker without being not out and out, but like being on the last man. He he, he isn't on the he's never on the last man. I'm I, like I said this in the video, but like I'm constantly watching him and going. Why aren't you getting in the box? And then I realise it's because he's dropping off and he's finding the space between two defenders. And that space is the one... That's why against Tranmere and against Bradford, he's the one that's following up because he's in that space where there's no other defenders. And then he's latching onto it. And that's that's what that's what a great striker has. It's that, like, natural, like, not taught. It's intelligence. It's just, like, within him. It's instinct. Striker's instinct. A little bit of Daniel Sturridge in there as well. Um, but then he slows him down like Firmino does. And it's like... I, I, I just want to see him with Salah Mane on her side and see what damage he can do. So when we're talking, John, about the way he arrives into the box, I completely agree with Craig. What I'm waiting for is to see how that looks when Salah and Mane are on the pitch as well. When you've suddenly got those two lads to worry about, but there's now this other fella as well. Genuinely, I can't wait to see it. Yeah, that's what we really want now. He's, he's been so excited in pre-season, but I'd love to see him with the, with the big guns. Not just for in terms of, you know, the space he create when people are going to worry about it, but also how he links up, you know, how he fits into that, because it's very much a front three at the moment. And they're all amazing players, but also they're all on the same wavelength. You know, they're created on the sum of the parts. And Rian, bless him, needs to find a way to get involved with that to be, you know, and it's not easy, but he's a confident young man. He backs himself, and you believe he could do it, but that's what he needs to find. It's not just to perform at a high level, but also to make sure the other guys who perform at a high level as well, because that's what Firmino does, and that's it, the spot he wants to fill. There are so many things to love about him, and I think... Oh, I, I'd spend all night here, but... Oh, one of about Craig? <laughs> What, one of the main. By the way, that was a great Mel's, eye roll from Mel's Mel. Mel's face there was like Mel's it wasn't too long. Was, honestly, I only wish it was. We're doing the best we can for shooting this for filming purposes because that was so gifable. It was ridiculous. I know. <laughs> Craig doesn't even know what a rooftop bar is, but, hey, but, but let's not go back in there. Get into um, it, Mel. The one thing I love most, I think, at the moment is his ability to problem solve while he's on the pitch. If he's getting pegged in, he will drop and become a playmaker of sorts because he's not going to have any joy against the centre-backs. And I see him thinking through games so much that in, in possession and out of it, his movement, Jürgen hates players that aren't an option. If you're on the pitch, you need to be available. His thing is always be an option always be moving and Rian does watch Rian Brewster it doesn't matter whether he's getting the ball not getting the ball he is he is actively finding a way to make sure he's of use if you need him and uh, if you look at the foul today on Yasser go and look who's the first person to confront the opposition it's the night it's the 19 year old kid He's got confidence, but and he backs himself because he knows he's good and he's fucking good. But what he also has is humility. He knows he's young. He knows he's not Roberto Firmino. He knows that there's so much he needs to learn. And you know what? 
when you watch training sessions, look at how much he absorbs, even if it's not him getting the instruction. Jürgen will be giving an instruction to Ox, for example, and Rian's paying attention because he knows what Ox does, affects what he needs to do on the pitch as well. He's very, very intelligent. And Jaden Sancho spoke so highly of him. And I think we all get guilty of looking at plays at other clubs like they're the best things ever because we don't get to see them every week. We don't get to see their flaws. We don't get to be frustrated with them because we're so invested in Liverpool. But to hear a player who could fetch 200 million pounds quite easily in the market speak of Rian Brewster like he was an even better player than he is is quite something. Can I ask a question, Mel? You you mentioned his humility there. And humility doesn't really go hand in hand with wearing a fucking European champions medal in your barbers. Like, Like, if I won a European champions medal, I'd be there every day in a fucking medal and nothing else. Right? Oh, I would. If, if he won something, I'm all in. Like, do you really think he is? I think he's cocky and I love it because he's cocky because he knows he can back it up. He knows he can back it up because the humility I speak of is the humility to understand his... Uh, where he is in his career, where he wants to go, and what he needs to do to meet, so those two points meet. And if there's anyone who will give you an honest appraisal on a teammate, it's James Milner. And James Milner said exactly the same thing about him, that he's confident, he's got that arrogance about uh, about himself on the pitch, but any bit of advice anyone gives him, he takes it on board and he works hard. You, you know what Sancho said? Sancho said as soon as Rian picked up the ball for the penalty, he knew it was going to be a goal and he knew it was going to be top corner. And he said how he knew is because on England duty, when everyone else leaves, Rian stays behind and practices everything. Penalties, free kicks, angles of his shots, weight of his part, like all these things. And he, like, he's a kid. He's a very, very good kid. Uh, but what I like is he's got a nice balance of knowing he's potentially the shit, but knowing how hard he has to work to actually fulfill Neil, all of Neil, it. Neil, this is why Mel's the fucking best, isn't it? That, that, that's that right, though. That type of shit. Absolutely. He asked you a question. I was genuinely wanting an answer. And you got one at length. That was all spot on and I, really interesting. I think, I think that's right, though. I think, like... I'd be a bit worried if he if he's this young striker that's coming in and doesn't have that arrogance about him because like it's great that he's humble but like you want a striker that knows he's really good because if he's if he's a striker that doesn't know he's really good like that's kind of been Divock Origi's problem over the past three or four years he's got all of the attributes but like Klopp says he doesn't maybe realise or he doesn't back himself enough. I hope he backs himself after what he's been doing over the past sort of six months for Liverpool. But with Rian Brewster, he sort of come in as this young kid and just just decided that he he, he deserves to be amongst Virgil Van Dijk and Salah and that and and that's brilliant. That's everything you want from a striker. Um, and I think I think the thing that excites me most about him is that the goals he scored in pre-season, you'd look at them and and it, if you take them at face value, they're these goals that are easy to score. Now that one aside at, at Bradford, where it's sort of it's wide. 
but it's a chance for a, where the goalkeeper parries it. But the, the thing about him is he's in the right position. And if he's playing with Salah and Mane and the problems that them two cause, and he's in the right space, he's got the intelligence in his brain that he knows, well, if these two are dragging these defenders here, I need to be here. So I was watching him tonight, and constantly he was between two defenders. He was, he was doing this thing where... The two defenders are having to like talk to themselves and go, well, who's on him? Is it me or is it you? And then he moves into another space that he's finding and he's dropping deeper and they're going, well, is it the defensive midfielder's problem? I don't know whose problem it is. And that's what he's going to do. That's what he's going to do when he plays up top. You can see why Jurgen Klopp isn't moving him about. He had a brief spell where he sort of played. I think Curtis Jones, for some reason, went up top for a little bit. And I don't know whether that was Brewster instinctively going, well, I'm having, I'm having more fun if I drop deep. But... Um, I just think he's going to find so much space and if he's got that intelligence, well, if, Sa- if he's got Salah and Mane on the other side of him and they're causing all the problems that they're going to cause, well, Ryan Brewster's going to benefit massively from that from that intelligence that he's got, in-game intelligence. Neil, Neil can yeah, I ask you a question, already. mate? Go on. Right. Go on. I, I love psychers who take fucking penalties because I'm looking at it going... You're the guy who fucking has to t- take responsibility, whether you're five yards out, whether you're fucking six yards out, whether you're one-on-one on one with the keeper, whether you're not. I want a fucking striker to take penalties. Rian Brewster takes fucking penalties. And he takes them emphatically, it's fair to say. So, how long has it been since we've had a fucking striker? Bobby Firmino for me, permitted, like, but he's not great at them, to be fair. I don't want Bobby Firmino penalties. Yeah, but why the fuck wouldn't a striker want to take penalties? Like, why? Seriously, though, like, Neil, yeah. why, why? I think I think at times some players, Mel, they find it, that moment. Like, for instance, I love the close-up of Salah in the final when after one minute the penalty gets given and Salah, honestly, he may as well have a thought bubble going off his head going, I wish the manager had picked Milner. It might as well just be there. I wish the manager had picked Milner. Fucking hell. Sub him on. Yeah, get him on now. Do Wijnaldum for Milner now. After 60 seconds, so I don't have to do this with my first touch. But I think there's some players, Mel, who that focus, that moment is difficult. The reason why when Craig talks about Brewster's movement, what I love about it is it's actually all about, when you talk about penalties, it's all about, for me, he wants to be on the penalty spot when the ball comes back to him and he's backing himself. He's backing himself in real time. He's backing himself in normal football. And he'll obviously back himself with a dead ball. Yeah. I watched the way he took the ball. I watched the way he put it out. Everything about it. I, I think I tweeted at the time, supremely confident. You j- there was... N- He's a kid. And I think we all need to remember that. But he didn't approach that like a kid at all. And I've just remembered... Um, you know, Chris said, you know, you said about him like wearing the Champions League medal. And I saw a lot of United fans and stuff taking the piss out of him, saying he wasn't involved at all. Why he why did he have the medal? Lingard's a prick, by the way. Yeah, but the but the other side of that, the other side of him wearing his medal, when he came through the mix zone, he offered absolutely everyone the chance to touch it, take it. He was offering do you want me to take a picture of you with my medal? Yeah, I do, but yeah. <laughs> but is he still that's, why I, that's why I say he is two parties. He's, he's got both. He's got a good balance of the arrogance and the humility. And when you hear how all the senior players talk about him and the staff, because 
One of the main things is, as a young player, how you deal with injury, how you deal with your rehab, because it is daunting, it's exacting. Him and Ox did their rehab together, and you ask people and they say he he held Ox down. He was the one pushing Ox through the process. And he's a kid. That's why they're so close now. That's how they became so close, and that's why Ox appreciates him so much. Astonishing stuff, great stuff from everybody here. What we're going to do now is you're going to hear a little excerpt or see if you're on the YouTube of our conversation that we have with Jurgen Klopp. We were told that we were going to get into Jurgen Klopp last night and it was exciting to get uh, get that news. Uh, I always would enjoy getting into Jurgen Klopp. Can, can I just ask, how did you... So you guys got told last night you've got an interview with Jurgen Klopp. How do you prepare... In the situation where you guys are absolutely fucking blitzed, John Gibbons is sleeping on the stair, and then you've got an and you have to wake up and go and do the interview with you. I did my best thinking on the step. John does his best thinking on steps. Uh, also, what they asked us was someone said to us, "Be creative." And I love that's COVID. More. Don't be fucking boring. And that's I the love same shit. more than be creative. So what we creatively came up with for Jürgen was we were going to talk to him because we had a limited amount of time. We were going to talk to him about 24 hours of his life. And the 24 hours of his life we wanted to talk about started on the 1st of June at 6pm and ended on the 2nd of June at 6pm. And we got so much out of Jürgen and it was a pleasure to do so. I know you probably wanted to cut there, right? But I got to listen to this from the other room. Unbelievable. Absolutely unbelievable. There we are. We were going to cut then, but now we're cut now. The Barcelona game is the Barcelona game. Yeah. Which is probably the most special football game which was ever played in, in, in the world of football. I don't... I, I watched since 47 years football games and I never saw a more special one, to be honest. Players out, situation, Lionel Messi on the other side, blah, 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 everything. They only need to score one, stuff like that. And this game, will, I don't think it will ever happen again. And it's ours. Nobody can take that as, away as well. I know in that world outside, you all talk only about trophies or silverware. But this game is an experience nobody else could make. Mm. Only LFC supporters and LFC players. Cool. To end this off, we are in the corner tavern in Boston. It's become a mini LFC party behind us, which is fantastic. And I'm delighted to be joined for the final part of this by Joachim and Robin from LFC Podden in Sweden. So first and foremost... Why have you come to the United States for this one? Is it just to have the party? Be honest with me, Joachim. Yes, sort of. You know, we, we like to go to new countries, new cities. Uh, yeah, basically just counting everything, counting the countries for, with Liverpool, being too many European away games. So for, it's for me the first time in the US. Robbie's been there before, but for me it's the first time. And I just think, why not? I'm on holiday in Sweden now, so why not? So you're on holiday in Sweden yeah. now. You come over here for yeah. this. You get them to watch the Reds. Yeah. What? What have you thought so far of what you've seen in pre-season? In pre-season, you know, it's all about the fitness now. You know, it's not the best games, not the most entertain entertainment, not the most interesting ones. But it's good to see all the young players getting a chance. You know, some of the uh, wing backs, like Rucci, Lewis. Especially that for me, uh, Brewster as well. That's maybe the most important part for me, you know, getting the fitness, seeing some of the younger players getting a chance. So, yeah. Robin, when you watch them in pre season, it's. I loved. 
it's got a feeling of promise about it, like, oh my God, what could this team do? But now we've been in the United States, we've seen them lose twice. But it seems to me they're so focused on fitness, that doesn't really matter at this stage. Yeah, definitely. You, you, you hear everyone, you heard Jürgen talk about it after the game today, you hear everyone basically you look at the james miller's body and you see that's of course what it's all about at the moment it's only about be ready for maybe the community shield but definitely for norwich at the 9th of august and to to as like jürgen said again today to get the result to be ready to to win those games we know that like a player like sadio mane he will he will be back just a few days before that first game against Norwich. So, so just to have the, just to have the players fit and ready. Um, this is not one of those preseason where you see a new player, maybe that new rising star. Of course, we have a Brewster. We have those, but they are not supposed to go straight into a team or do magical things straight away. This is to see a team develop from where they were, and they were on a high level already. When you come to this this tour. It, I'm intrigued about your reaction to you get to see the United States supporters you're from Sweden you get to see the United States supporters respond to the to getting to basically see Liverpool in person and you get to see you get to go amongst the mass media which for Liverpool at the moment is massive There's unbelievable numbers of people everywhere they go every little bit of Boston every bit of Boston media is out there it is like seeing a phenomenon, I think, at the moment. It's like seeing a genuine worldwide locomotive. Definitely. Um, and, and again, not to uh, just repeating myself, but like as Jürgen said, if you're a five, six, seven-year-old guy or girl at the moment, if you look at football clubs all around the world, why wouldn't you start to support Liverpool? I would probably. I was what my age... That was a Michael Owen brought me to a Liverpool supporter back in the days. The Mo Salas, the Roberto Firmino, the Van Dijk, the Manes. Liverpool is is growing in England, in Sweden, Scandinavia, the US. We see the India, we see the Africa. We, we are conquering not only Europe, we're conquering the world with the team right now. On that, Joachim, you see that in Sweden with your the podcast, the work that you do. Has there been since, say, the Bayern Munich game? Yeah. Or even last season's European Cup run? Are there more and more and more people wanting to speak to you, wanting to get involved with Liverpool-based stuff? Yeah, yeah, definitely. You know, it's it's a, it's getting bigger and bigger, you know, from especially after Madrid, it's been like, boom, really. And I've just got to say, coming here to US and seeing, like, how big the club really is, for me, it's more way bigger than I expected you know we see all the fans you see really how big it is you know all the parts you know all the club personnel everything involved with the club you know you, you don't really expect that when you sit at home in Sweden you don't really understand how big the club is before you've done maybe a US tour or something like that then you really understand how big a global this club is and it's it's global in a sense where I think that we needed to remain inclusive at the same time. And I think they're actually trying to work quite hard on that. The projects, the small projects they're doing that you've got to see some of, you know, playing with the, uh, getting a, a team of young young girls in to play with the women's team. They're trying to be really inclusive, aren't they? They're trying to ensure that they can simultaneously work on a small scale whilst acknowledging it's all large scale. Yeah, yeah, definitely. But I think it's 
really good for us as well. We came over after Sweden now, and you know, getting all these passes, you know, seeing the players going to open training, meeting some players, and for us, it's the first time, and that's that's a good gesture, and that's really what it's all about. You know, since club come in, I really think the club has becoming even more familiar you know it's a big family everything is open it's down to earth i think it's since he, ca he came into the club it's yeah it's changed a lot they want to involve so that you being here and you them giving you the access they've given you tells the story that they want to involve people i think in a way as as as, as, as joachim's saying there that in the past they wouldn't have wanted to do they want to involve in that positive sense yeah yeah definitely i i think where where <laughs> Wherever you go here, we were sitting at a first team meeting greet yesterday. We had people from Albuquerque, Atlanta, Austin, Texas. They are here again today. But wherever you're from at the moment, you feel that you are a part of this Liverpool team. And and Jurgen Klopp has definitely helped with that. Um, the, the way he interacts with the fans, the if you everything he says, everything he does. That is involvement. This is uh, not not to push it too far, but it, at least in Sweden, I don't know how we do it. But it's like Pride Week in Sweden this week. I know it's it's about everyone's involvement. People, wherever you're from, whatever you do, whatever, what 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 else, what the fuck you care about, be involved. We should be a club bigger than everything else, and that is something that Jurgen Klopp helps with for this Liverpool team he does indeed if people want to listen to your podcast what's the best way to do it uh, you uh, found us at iTunes uh, podcast or wherever you go LFC Podden LFC Podden if you want to have more and why wouldn't you of Robin and Joachim listen it's been an absolute pleasure doing this I want to just give a shout out to Fuad and Josh who've worked unbelievably hard both full stop for the duration but also behind the scenes on making this one work in this place in the corner tavern they've done the absolute business i want a big thank you to craig hannon to mel reddy to chris pajak and to john gibbons one of the things these tours do is they manage to pull people together it's good to knock around with people we often don't get to do it at the anfield rap but sort of off to one side what the tour does is it puts in the middle of stuff it puts us in with everybody else and i hope that people enjoy us being around but i know that we enjoy being around those people as well so thanks to everyone who's helped that out i hope you've enjoyed the show this week it has been the anfield rap it has been in association with reds bet which is the company that gives back half of your losses as their profits to fan-related media and fan-related causes. I hope you've enjoyed yourself. It's been an unorthodox Anfield rap and an unorthodox show, but thank you very much indeed. Take it easy and up the Reds. Sports Social Podcast Network.